You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks and welcome to episode 103 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. This is the show for March 2022 and I'm your host Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today I have a panel that is small in number but high in quality. I am delighted to have uh, Charlotte Henry back on the show. Charlotte, welcome back. Hi Bart, yeah thanks for having me back. It's been far, far too long. It's it's a pleasure to talk to you again. And since last you were on, uh, your your credit has changed. So you are now with the addition. Do you want to tell the listeners what that's all about? Yeah, I started in typical media, you know, fashion, my own Substack and podcast uh, called The Edition, A-double-D, um, kind of taking a look at the world of digital media and how it intersects with wider culture and politics and tech and how all those things come together. So if you would like to subscribe, I'd love to have you on board and we do a week, I do a weekly podcast discussing those issues, at least a couple of di- editions of the Edition newsletter. So yeah, lots going on, lots of growth and uh, yeah, hope people will be part of it. Come join the journey. It's certainly a topic that has no shortage of things to talk about. Yeah, there's plenty to churn through. I think since I've started, I've done the tech scene in Ukraine, um, Apple doing live sport, the possible privatisation of Channel 4 here in the UK, all sorts of exciting things going on. And then so, yeah. Elon Musk buying Twitter. That's bound to be some fodder for yeah, shows. Yeah, I'm sure we can get into that at some point because that's, uh, yeah, that's quite the story this week as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a thing. Not a thing for us to talk about now as we have a month's worth of no, Apple news to digest, but it's a thing. It's definitely a thing that we will probably have to discuss at some point, either on or off air. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, okay, well, month's worth of Apple news. So a few follow-ups of things we talked about before, before we get stuck into this month's news. So one of our main topics last month was quite obviously the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, and notice I am making a conscious effort not to call it the neutral term, the war in Ukraine, as if it just happened. Like somehow there was a war there. No, Russia invaded Ukraine. started. Yeah, exactly. So since last we spoke, Apple have added a UNICEF donation button to their news app and Apple.com. Apple have suspended advertising on the Russian App Store. Russian cards have stopped working on the App Store. Apple uh, has kept the actual App Store open, even though they're cutting off the money aspect of it. And, you know, it's a bit controversial, but I kind of think... If you would like people to be able to do things like get a VPN and, you know, have some sort of chance of getting in touch with reality, I think Apple's doing a major service by keeping the App Store open. So uh, I think that's, yeah, that's a pretty reasonable way of looking at it. Um, and yeah, as you say, kind of, it's taken the money aspect away. And, you know, Apple has often facilitated things with um, donations and so on. We've seen it put its weight behind a number, of course. So I, I'm not surprised to see that UNICEF button you mentioned. I also noticed that in the news app, there was a specific se- se- section relating to the invasion of Ukraine uh, and the subsequent war. Um, so just, com- you know, curating stories on that topic, which is also an interesting step. It did it with COVID and now has done it 
uh, uh, with the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And that is, I mean, if there's ever something that benefits from curation, it's this kind of a, you know, controversial story where there is a proactive attempt on one side to fill the universe with absolute garbage nonsense. Yeah, and just also, given that none of us are, you know, very few of us are foreign policy experts, um, curating some of the the best um, best reporting from on the ground uh, from the most reliable sources uh, is also really important, isn't it? And Apple is in a position to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I I do miss having proper Apple News, uh, the, the the pro version of Apple News here in Ireland. I know you guys have it in the UK, and I know yeah. it's in America. So you're very lucky. Um, I I mean, this is a whole different topic. We won't go down this rabbit hole. But I actually think it's a very underrated service. Well, that's good to know. I am now even more jealous than I already was. <laughs> and I already was quite jealous. Um. <laughs> So that's kind of what Apple were doing. Uh, then on the other side, uh, Russia is threatening to nationalize, well, not just Apple, all the companies. Um, that's actually here in Ireland. That's a kind of a big deal because we are the world's leaders in airplane leasing. Um, mm. And while stealing some Apple stuff is obviously not good for Apple, stealing giant big 737s, that's, they're a lot of money. So it's quite and quite hard to like shove under your jumper and run away with i imagine yes um i think i heard one of the ceos interviewed he's like yeah we're having a bit of trouble you know re- repatriating our planes it's like yeah <laughs> you can't yeah. just sneak it out you know no, no the, the, them and the super yachts have been somewhat harder to move indeed indeed um and then switching to the more positive developments um i've just been amazed that like macpaw are a ukrainian developer and they have managed to not just keep the show on the road but they've actually managed to release a free app for the mac to check if apps have links to russia be that static links or you know actually monitoring the app to see if it sends data to russian servers like if anything they should just be charging like five million quid each so that people have an excuse to donate money to them but it's i well, hats off to MacPaw. Yeah, MacPaw is a company I uh, was, I think, WWDC 2020. I chaired a panel for them, have used their products, actually been in touch with, with some of the people there throughout this terrible few weeks. Um, and they're just one part of what really is a quite amazing uh, eco- tech ecosystem in Ukraine where, you know, we kind of think of maybe the UK having a big tech scene. There's obviously huge tech companies in Ireland where you are and then the obvious places like US and China. But actually, you know, the Ukraine has a, a bunch of companies making a bunch of services. Probably lots of your listeners have used and maybe didn't even know the country they came from. And um, I'm a big fan of MacPaw's setup. I'm sure you've used it, Bart, where... Mm-hmm. You get with the first subscription, you get a whole host of really useful tools. So I've used a bunch of their stuff, and yeah, this is just a this new one, which I'm really pleased you you've highlighted is just a quite amazing that they kind of turned this around as from hiding in bomb shelters and whatever else they've had to endure the last few weeks. Yeah, it's just hats off to them. And Ukraine was a very sort of forward thinking country being a young country i think gives a slight advantage and they were very much embracing the the tech scene they they sort of were yeah like ireland is a bit of a hope for tech stuff they they were too and a lot of it is surviving despite the best attempts of the russian federation so fingers crossed they weather the storm um and stay safe etc 
And then just today, pretty a few hours before we went to record, a lovely little piece of news broke that it made me laugh. Um, since Apple are in the doghouse in Russia anyway, uh, they've put back Navalny's voting app, which they had taken out of the store a few months ago. So I say, well done, Apple. What's the worst they're going to do? Well, it, it seems okay to say well done, Apple, in this instance, and where it's an easy win. I think... You know, the original removal of the app, perhaps, and there's been other issues around China where Apple has been quite keen, you know, very happy to remove things at the bequest of what can only be described as authoritarian regimes. And actually, as much as you and I like Apple and its products, it's sometimes worth looking at the way it plays out and conducts its policies in the world and it's not always things that we might be as comfortable with that might not always match with the values that apple uh seeks to you know put out there when it's talking in its pr way i think so yes i i quite agree that it's good that this app has returned i think had there not been a an invasion and a war apple may have just continued to do what it was told by the kremlin it kind of has to, right? If you're that that do... is absolutely always the argument that they have to comply with local laws, that whether they like them or not, that's what they want to do. And, you know, to, to a certain point, that's fine. But there's sometimes a bit of a, I would say, a values clash between the values Apple purports and the way some of it has to conduct some of its business in certain countries i mean it's not an easy call it's not an easy call to make on that because um i did a whole segment with ken ray on on one of his podcasts um where i basically said ken i want to come on and disagree with you um and i, I was how, how did that go for you well i had fun uh, <laughs> i'm not sure i convinced ken but i wanted to convince some listeners um sure but my, my sort of point is that you don't get to choose between the ideal world and the world we're in. You get to choose between a world where China is still an evil country and there's no Apple in it, or China's an well, evil country again, with Apple, and which is least bad. Again, I wouldn't like to use the phrase China is an evil country. I think the Chinese the regime does some deeply problematic and authoritarian things, including and mostly to its own people. Um, yes. And those values are often not in line with the values Apple purports to have. Um, there are plenty of other countries where we can, you know, look at some of the places where Apple has opened stores recently and so on, um, which are, you know, quite in contradiction to the company's stance of supporting LGBT rights and so on. Um, but yeah, it, it's a difficult play. And as you say, a company the size of Apple with the fiduciary responsibilities it has, has to balance uh, what its principles and Tim Cook took, you know, I think we could all say is a largely principled man with uh, the, the world it has to deal with and operate in. Yeah, and they they put pressure through the appropriate means in the appropriate places. Yeah, I mean, certainly through the yes, we have seen um, them use their weight quite significantly. I'm not sure it works quite the same abroad, but it's certainly domestically in the US we've seen and then put their foot down on a few in a few states and things. Uh, the, another story we we had as a main story uh, in last month's show was a preview of Apple's shareholder meeting because it looked mm -hmm. like it might get a bit stormy. And there were there were two motions in particular that looked like they might cause a bit of trouble. Um, Apple very much wanted their executive pay to pass and that passed. That that was that did no problem there. Um, but uh, there was also a motion where Apple would have to do a civil rights audit uh, at a, on a regular basis. And Apple wanted that to fail. And the shareholders didn't agree. 
And that passed. Uh, so that is definitely not to Apple's liking. Um, it is interesting that they released news not long after that, basically saying that Apple now have 50% of their US staff are from underrepresented communities. And um, also, I picked up from the same reporting, 89% increase in women employed globally in Apple, which is kind of, I think that's impressive. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it is impressive to, you know, if it's from 1% to, you know, to it depends two. where, yeah, do you know what I mean? It depends what the what we're talking in real terms. But obviously any progress to a diversity of views and talents within a company like Apple is only to the benefit of the company and its employees yeah. and and its customers, frankly. If there are more a wider range of people working within Apple, we're going to get better products. Totally agree. And I guess since there's going to be recommend or required audits now, I guess we're going to know more. <laughs> we'll have- yeah, that, it is fascinating to see Apple shareholders putting the boot in a bit. Because normally before these meetings, as you, you know, you'd have followed for probably even more years than me, there's often a flurry of these things and then the company gets what it wants. Yes. Uh, and actually, we've obviously seen employee and shareholder power grow in various ways over recent years. And this is, this is an interesting one. It's probably worth one worth keeping an eye on see how this plays out in reality. Yeah, I want to read the audit. <laughs> right, <laughs> and you want to see, you both want to read the audit and actually see what consequences such an audit has. Yeah, I mean, to a large extent, Apple are more open than a lot of companies on these things and they tend to put their own feet to the fire, which is a very interesting approach because they sort of end up nailing their colours to the mast because their Mm. supplier responsibility report makes them look bad, which then encourages them to do better. And then the next time around, the the report usually says they've done better. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, and I also don't, however cynical I was earlier on in the show and however cynical one might want to be out of a multi-trillion dollar corporation i don't think you could genuinely have claimed that a company led by the likes of tim cook lisa jackson and so on doesn't care about this stuff agreed agreed um we talked quite a bit a few months ago about what apple are doing in terms of having digital ids and how they managed to get a niso standard and all sorts of cool stuff like that mm. uh it is now live for reals in arizona where the T- well, a an arizona citizen can get said id and b the tsa will accept said id so we have both sides of the equation in one very small place um let us hope it rolls out quickly elsewhere yeah, uh, here. You, you and I don't get this, do we? We, you know... You might get it sometime us. vaguely soon in the UK, but by the time it makes it to little mm-hmm. old Ireland... Although, actually, it's up to our governments more than it's up to... Ooh, mm, not sure that helps. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> Let's not go there. Um, Apple Business Essentials we talked about a few months ago as well. We had Charles Edge from the Mac Admins podcast on to explain that one to us. Um... That has now rolled out, out of beta, into for reals, unfortunately only in the United States for now, but I assume that's a service they will expand on over time. Uh, The Asahi Linux project has uh, its first alpha release of Linux on the M1 Mac, and it is alpha, so it's not perfect, but it does, like, boot and stuff, so... you You can turn it on. Yeah, which, you know, I mean, the early stages of the Asahi Linux, you needed 
quite the nerd hat to get it to do that much. So the fact that they're having it booting by normal human beings now is definite progress. Um, and by the sounds of it, it's actually quite stable. I've listened to, because I'm a Linux sysadmin by day, I listen to Linux podcasts as well as Apple podcasts. And apart from a lot of scoffing at Apple and crankitude that you need to keep a copy of Mac OS ten on the machine as well to be able to do firmware updates on your machine, people are actually surprised by how well it works leaving aside the fact that you can't completely get rid of macOS. <laughs> Interesting. But that's a philosophical thing rather than a real thing. Uh, I'm sorry to say that uh, Matter has been delayed again, although apparently for semi-good reasons, because there's been too much of an interest by the hardware companies in getting certified, so they need more time. I hope that's uh, true. Uh, yeah. So as someone who is sitting in front of a pair, a stereo pair of HomePod minis, but also quite freaked about having everything in my home connected. I'm, you, I have a slightly different perspective on this, but I think what is clear is Apple has been a bit, has been considerably, let's be blunt about it, behind in the smart home space. And even if, as you say, this delay is for a good reason, i.e. lots of interest, I don't think Apple delaying its move into this market is is a good thing, really, because this is an important space for Apple to be in. But is it Apple causing this delay, or is it the consortium? Well, either way, it affects Apple, right? Because I know- uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really think the cause matters. I think True. the effect of a delay to Apple is not great for Apple. Look, I, I, I'm case in point here. Uh, I'm recently become a homeowner instead of a renter, and I now. In theory, I'm in the mood to fill my house with smart, cool things. Only I value my privacy and security, so I don't want anything to do with a lady in my house, let alone uh, Hello G. So yeah, I want Apple stuff, but I don't want to go down the dead end. I want these new standards. I want thread and matter so that these things have a bit of life, and they just keep getting pushed back. And so I've been saying to myself since this time last year when we moved in, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll get, we'll get smart home stuff soon. We'll get smart home stuff soon. Eventually. Yeah. At some point. Yeah, so I, I think the house will be two years old before we get smart stuff. But I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> I think first on the list is a smart doorbell because mm. my, my darling beloved loves playing video games, which means having a headset on. And the Tesco order comes and the Tesco man rings the doorbell, but the Tesco man isn't heard. And I'm out on the bike, you know, 50 mile away and I get a phone call. Oh, is there anyone home? It's like, ring the yes! doorbell harder. Ring the doorbell Answer harder. Answer it. <laughs> Anyway, first world problems, first world problems. Uh, The regulatory pressure continues on Apple uh, in uh, the United States. The DOJ has uh, put their weight behind the American Innovation and Choice Online Act, which I don't think it spells anything, which is unusual. Lack of imagination there, senators. Um, But basically, this would stop uh, companies like Apple unfairly preferencing themselves uh, with their own products slash apps in their app stores slash Amazon sales store stores. As these bills go, this one's quite tame. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. I think I saw something coming out from Apple the day we record this show, kind of trying to emphasize how successful third party apps are on its platform. So this is obviously an issue it is conscious of. It certainly wants uh, to fight the We know that Apple were lobbying against this bill. Um, I think it was in the right. last show. We know that, the, we can't remember which senator it was, they were lobbying quite actively, but they didn't get their way. It, it went out of committee. Um, the yeah, DOJ so wrote behind it. Apple on April the 7th, which, you know, maybe not directed 
directly related to the piece of legislation you're talking about, but is obviously on the same theme, put out something that said a report by economists at Analyst Group found that the third party apps are among the most successful on the App Store. That you know, seems pretty clearly we, aimed at, at rebutting this, doesn't it? Uh, and or it maybe seems, our it's very much story. in the same pub. Yes, go on. I mean, I, 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 if it's not this, then it's our, the European story that we'll be talking about shortly as as our main story number one. But it, it mm. definitely it is in the zeitgeist at the moment, shall we say? Yeah, and it's been an issue rumbling for for a long time about you know antitrust of you know a myriad of antitrust issues and Apple going no, but not even everyone has an iPhone, so why are you worrying about us? Yeah, but and they're not entirely wrong. No, no, no. I mean, there are. There's certainly not a majority, a majority of iOS running devices in the smartphone world out there. It does you know, depend on your scope, though, because there's a Piper sure. Joffrey story somewhere. I think it's in notable numbers where 87% of American teens have an iPhone and 87% expect their next phone to be an iPhone. Yeah. That's pretty monopolistic, you know. That's Nothing well, like that here in Europe, though. Like nothing like that no. here in Europe. And of course, in China and India either. Huge markets. Exactly. So yeah, worldwide tiny. Within America, not so tiny. So it's it's interesting. Uh, we should mention that uh, Tile have gone from having zero privacy protections to having basic privacy protections. They have launched a a scan feature in their app, which if you have ten minutes to spare and are okay to drive about for a bit, you can use to scan for a Tile following you. So that is progress and they do stress it is step one of many but they don't say what the rest of the steps will be but you know i would say probably thanks to the pressure of airtag tile is now actually becoming a little bit less bad yeah i'm not someone that uses either of these kind of devices um i was never i didn't kind of snap up a bunch of airtags when they first came out i certainly haven't picked up any tile ones um you know, as you were hinting with the smart home stuff, I'm kind of freaked by the privacy privacy uh, application of these. And I'm not necessarily sure I'm the type of person that has a use case for most of them, despite my ability to misplace my keys and lose many other things. Um, but obviously, as these things become more mainstream, the pressure for better privacy and better protections is going to increase, isn't it, you would think? Well, I mean... Tile have been launched for years with zero protections. Apple come on the market with protections from day one and Apple are the ones who get crucified, which is so very typical. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there were definitely some issues with AirTags and the way, you know, there were definitely some issues of kind of women finding them stuck to... Right, but they were finding them, right? Eventually. Right, but the thing is, with every other tracker that came before, they were not finding them because they had zero protections. So all of these stories... And Apple has also continued to refine and improve those protections. And clearly put pressure on Tile to join the club. It it must be that one has flown from the other, mustn't it? Yeah. So it's good. And and finally, just in follow up, because I've been following Apple's slow migration into India. um, iPhone 13 production is going to ramp up at Foxconn since their factory is back open again after what they were poisoning their workers, not giving them proper accommodation. That Foxconn factory is a train wreck of a thing, but apparently their ducks are in a row. Um, Is this the same place where they were um, 
am I recalling a number of kind of protests and quite... Yeah, protest slash riot slash... I didn't want to use the word riot, but the pictures I saw at the time didn't look that harmonious. No, and when you heard the complaints of the workers, you were kind of like, oh, I see. Yes, the, the, yeah. You, yeah. There's reasons they may not be happy. Yeah. Yeah. So that is that is that factory, which is apparently about to, to ramp up again, making iPhone 13s. Um, and Pegatron are starting iPhone 12 production, um, which I guess is for the Indian market, I guess. But anyway, so, you know, Apple are definitely continuing to ramp up production in, in, in India. And let's hope that take two in that Foxconn factory goes a little bit better than take one went for them. And I guess, given what we're seeing happen in China with COVID outbreaks, that actually having some diversification and where it can make stuff is going to be ever more important. I think the whole world has had a different approach to supply chains. Mm. It's, like, it's okay if it's a little bit more expensive if we're not all in one place. Mm, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I have in the show notes a notable number, but to be honest, we've already mentioned it, so I don't think we need to dwell on it too much. Uh-huh. 87% of US teens with iPhones, 87% want an iPhone as their next phone, and 72% of them have AirPods. That, I think, is more staggering than perhaps the iPhones. Although, I guess one comes from the other. But, you know, given... I mean, I was always quite cynical about AirPods at the beginning and then found myself with a pair of AirPods Pro and in love with them. So I'm perhaps I didn't go with the pros, but yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not different to you. I was deeply skeptical and then I soon realized that there were white things in everyone's ears as I was walking down the street and if they weren't Apple ones, they were clones of Apple ones and that's that's a pretty good sign as a successful product. I was in once they shortened the stems. Ah, yes, no, I still have the originals because I hate things that seal my ears that you oh, Okay. I'm a bone conduction person most of the time. I wish Apple would do bone conduction headphones with all of that pairing brilliance that they have in the air. The pairing is, the ease of pairing is absolutely staggering, yeah. And something I didn't appreciate till I got my hands on a pair. Oh, it's bloody magic because I have a lot of devices. I have a lot of devices. (laughs) It's just, they're just in my laptop bag and when I'm in work... I flip them open and they pair to my Mac. And when I'm at home using the iPad, I flip them open and they pair to the iPad. It's just magic. I adore them. Anyway, let us move on to my least favourite part of the show notes. Legal latest. Um, I, Unless you very much want to force me to dwell here, Charlotte, I'm going to go through these quite quickly because... I've seen the words Epic versus Apple in the show notes, so I'm going to put myself on mute and cry. And <laughs> well, you, it's a you holding have a pattern. Nice one. Let's let's jump there and just say this is a holding pattern, right? We are in, we are between major events in the Ap- Apple v Epic case. There has been a ruling. Everyone has said they're going to appeal it. Now the paperwork is coming in. So Apple have filed 135 pages worth of appeal, which, according to um, Gus Mueller. That is unusually large, and apparently it's also unusually fact-based as opposed to waffly airy-fairy, which I will take his word for because I'm not reading it all. Um, Apple have been backed by Roblox, the Koch brothers, and basically America's uh, sort of security high-ups, like generals and people like that. And needless to say, they're not on Epic Games aside. Uh However, the California AG has waded in too, filing an amicus brief on no one's side, which is an interesting amicus brief. That really is a friend of the court. They're both wrong. 
I have spent too many hours of my life covering this damned case. And Yes. So basically, <laughs> I think it's important to note that this is moving forward. This is going to be a main story one of these months when this appeal goes into a courtroom and a judge says something. But until then, I'm just going to say, here's what's happened. Let us carry on. Yes. Let us proceed. Yes. Now, I, can, I am always happy when a long-running legal case winds to an end. And I think a case that dates from 2014 counts as long-running. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so the Wyland case has finally come to an end. This was, this was a bit of a saga because at no point in the process was there any disagreement that Apple did indeed breach the patent. All of the problems were about how much it should cost Apple for having done so. The first time a jury found that Apple owed 145 million, that was in 2018, and Apple appealed successfully. Not that they didn't break the patent, but that they didn't owe that much. So it went back to court, and the new jury found that they owed 85 million in February of this year. And Apple were like, ah, we still think we owe less than that. And apparently the lawyers on the other side have finally seen the light or something, because uh, they've decided that rather than going for round three in the courts, they would instead settle and Apple have now entered a, quote, multi-year licensing deal. So, I don't know how much they paid. I'm guessing it's less than $85 million. I want to know how much money was saved in the lawyer's fees. Did Probably they $85 million. After all of this, <laughs> who actually... Did anyone Wins. win in this, or did we all lose? Well, the thing is, with a company like Apple, their lawyers are on a retainer, so it doesn't actually cost them anything to go in these cases. It's just little <sighs> companies have to worry about such things. Little, little people like us. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, if you're an American, uh, Apple have agreed to pay $14.8 million to paid iCloud storage subscribers because they didn't make it clear that they were using third parties for their servers. This is such a pilot. This is such a nonsense burger. But anyway, lawyers get loads of money. And if you're an American paid iCloud subscriber, you probably get a penny. Or two. Only they're sent. Which is nice, and you can put that to your next month's iCloud storage. Yeah, because you're not going to buy a coffee with it. No. Let alone anything of use. Anyway. No, 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 no. So there we oh, go. iCloud storage is useful. True. Yeah, it is actually, to be honest. I'm, I'm happy to pay for my bundle. Uh, makes it easier, but yeah. Uh, okay, so that's our that's our short visit to legal latest. Uh, Apple HR and acquisition news. Not going to spend too long here either. It, it, the most notable thing that happened is that Apple bought a UK startup called Credit Kudos, who do the whole checking people for credit thing. And it's interesting that Apple are buying a company like that because that's what they use Goldman Sachs for in the States. So everyone is speculating that clearly this means that Apple are going to start doing their own internal stuff in-house, which is probably the first step towards moving Apple Card International. And I've just put a fingers crossed emoji in the show notes because I would like to have a credit card with all of the shiny features of the Apple Card and I'd like 3% off on the vast wedges of my cash I give Apple. Yeah, I, I've been slightly disappointed um, that we haven't had... Uh, Apple Card here in the UK for as long as we haven't had it, if you know what I mean. Um, so but I'm hoping that, as you say, this kind of pickup of a British fintech, um, and obviously the fintech scene in London in particular is very strong. Yeah. Um, it is a sign that it's going to move. Um, I would be amazed if the partnership with Goldman Sachs ends 
him anytime soon. I suspect this is just more about building up some more internal armory. I don't know perhaps as much as I should about Credit Kudos. Perhaps what this is one of those things that Apple bought the company because the people there are very good as much as the technology is something they want. Yeah. Um, I'd be intrigued to know that. But um, it, it obviously shows the Apple Car project is developing, I would say, if nothing else. I, I think the chances are that someone like Goldman Sachs have entered a multi-year deal with Apple, right? They're, 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 they're far too good at this to have entered into a deal where they're exposed. And also, I think one underestimates how much credibility being linked with a major institution like Goldman Sachs gave the Apple card and the confidence it gave people to use it. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, What I think is likely to happen is that in America, it stays Goldman for, I would imagine, a minimum three-year deal was done, if not a five-year deal. But if you're rolling out to other countries, well, then there's no reason you have to use Goldman Sachs for that. It will be very, I genuinely don't know the answer. I'd be very intrigued Me too. to watch. Me too. Uh, and then the next two stories are somewhat kind of related. So first off, Ford have poached uh, Jennifer Waldo, Apple's vice president of people, sorry, of people business partners, whatever the heck that is. Uh, but whatever it is, Ford wanted her and they got her. Uh, and I'm sure it's not unrelated that Apple is paying up to $200,000 in bonuses to some of their top people to try to stop people being poached by, say, Ford Motor Company or whatever. Yeah, so. this has been going on, been a problem, part of the kind of go back to office backlash, part yeah. of the, you know, Apple car project seeming to stall. Um, <laughs> no pun from intended. Time time. No, punfully and disgracefully intended. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's been lots of these different moves going on and kind of Apple determined to keep its top talent. Um, so, yeah, I, I suspect we're going to have to see, we're going to see lots more of it work, having to do lots of other things, including paying out bonuses to keep its best people. Yeah, yeah. And this is, I believe, the second quarter in a row we've had these big bonuses paid out. Mm. Uh, A quick visit to just some highlights of Apple services. Uh, Apple Maps are getting a lot of TLC this month. Uh, Rolled out improvements in three major Canadian cities, Montreal, Toronto and Vancouver, get the shiny new map experience. Uh, Keep an eye out near you, Charlotte. Uh, Apparently there are Apple people with mapping backpacks, whatever they look like. Trump are trudging their way through London, Birmingham and Manchester um, to map the bits of those cities where cars can't go. So, Oh, interesting. Yeah, Google, I think Google has done this for a long time, hasn't it? Bikes, I think Google had. I, I've certainly seen Google uh, bikes bike, Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Apple Maps is slowly catching up, isn't it? I, honestly, I have been using Apple Maps instead of Google for years. To me, they didn't just catch up. They caught up and they passed them by. You couldn't pay me to use Google Maps these days. Yeah, I think probably I, I mostly use either Google Maps or Waze. Hmm. Well, Apple kind of amazed me by being able to pronounce Irish place names. Oh, nice. Which nice. Google hilariously get wrong. Listening yeah. to Google Maps is a game. It's a puzzle game. What could they possibly mean? Oh, <laughs> anyway. There's some good ones around here as well. But yeah, Apple seems to be refining that kind of thing as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, Apple have also partnered with a company called Hass Alert to give real-time safety data in Apple Maps. Now, I have done my best to figure out whether this is a worldwide thing or not. And as best as I can tell from Hass's very poor website, it's a US company and they only do the US. So I think 
this is a US only feature, but I'll be darned if anyone has actually been explicit about it. It would also be very Apple to roll out a feature like this in the US and then expand it later to other places. Assuming they find someone equivalent to Haas, I guess. Or, yeah, commissions such such a similar, yeah, like the AA or something. Um, Then in related news, Google Maps are actually doing a big update for their iOS app, um, including better Apple Watch support, which I think will make uh, people who do like Google Maps very happy because the integration between Apple Maps and the Apple Watch is one of the nicest things about using. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. It's one of the features I use the most when trying to find my way around London. Well, when you're walking and you don't really want to be drawing attention to the fact you have an expensive watcher in your wrist, having it just tap you, you know, different taps for left and right is darn useful. Yeah, and you don't need an £1,100 phone in your hand either at the same time. Yeah, also true. <laughs> yeah, definitely also true. Uh, Apple Fitness Plus getting a bit of TLC. Uh, the, the, one of their instructors um, was pregnant and during her pregnancy, she did a series for workouts for pregnant women, which was cool. Uh, and now she has given birth and now she's doing a series uh, for postpartum workouts, which is a fancy word for saying workouts for after you've had a baby. Yeah, Apple is really trying to build this into its infrastructure. Uh, um, so I have the, the Apple One bundle that has all these uh, features, um, including a Fitness Plus. And it's just getting better and better, Fitness Plus, whether it's these kind of specific workouts, um, in the mindfulness uh, additions it's done, all sorts of things. It's um, They've added the walking and running uh, fitness things as well as part of the kind of time to run and time to walk workouts. It's becoming a, a really compelling offer, I think, actually, Fitness Plus. And specialised workouts like this made by people who have, you know, worked it to done it to work with their personal experience i think is really good yeah and i'm noticing that look i i get i do a lot of exercise but i do on my bicycle with real world scenery going by uh because i like it that way but a lot of people i know and really love uh apple's fitness plus and what they seem to build a bond with the trainers yeah which was always the way it was set out it kind of was meant to copy i think the youtube model where you like the kind of the one i always think of is which i'm sure lots of your listeners know is the yoga with adrian um who became certainly at the beginning of the lockdowns became quite a cult figure and all doing those workouts via youtube but yeah and apple is again very very apple to see a trend to see a space that's popular and to put the Apple kind of shine on it. So I'm not surprised that people are buying into it. Again, kind of not very talked about Apple Fitness Plus, but actually if you have access to the service, there's a lot you can get quite a lot out of it. Yeah. Uh, small improvement to Apple Music. You can now share clips, up to 10 seconds, I think, uh, from Apple Music straight into Instagram. Just mm. nice-ish, I'll I have guess. To try that one. And Apple Podcasts are getting a little bit of a tweak from the creator's point of view. Uh, there's going to be more data about the people following your podcasts if you are a podcaster on Apple Podcasts. So that is a positive development for, for us, really. Yeah, it, it seems crazy that you couldn't see how many people were actually following you before. Um, but I think this is really good. And Apple is obviously really... I've actually written about Apple and podcasting for... Uh, I think probably by the time people listen to this, an upcoming edition of Mac Format magazine. But um, the way Apple is really building into the 
the podcasting game and taking podcasting seriously is really important. They, they sort of forgot about it. They they turned podcasting from a nothing into a something and then took it for granted and did nothing yep. for a decade. Yep, yep, and then yep. It's like, oh, that thing. Yeah, we should we should do that. Yep. So anyway, and just to, a, a sort of a circle us back again to, to fintech, really. Um, Apple Pay continues its slow, steady worldwide rollout, arriving for the first time in Argentina, Peru and Moldova. Um, and I, I've stopped listing countries where they get their like second third fourth fifth and sixth banks i'm only I, i've only included stuff where it's the first bank in the country so it's new countries continuing to join the party so moldovans enjoy your apple pay for the first time it, it's fun i promise it really is to be honest it's yeah it's a very actually a very, very good service yeah yeah Okay, so we have three main stories, he says, scrolling his own show notes. We should be more prepared. Yeah, three main stories. We have um, our friends in Europe. Well, my friends in Europe, not yours anymore. You guys sod it off. Um, the hey, European Commission. Hey, don't do, you don't need to do that. Come well, on. I, if we can't make fun of Brexit, what's it for? <laughs> it's tragic enough as it is. <laughs> Especially living on this we'll island I live this on. off air. Look, where I'm sitting, it's no joke, which is why I make fun of it. Because you got to. Anyway, the EU Commission have been busy uh, finalising the Digital Markets Act. That's main story number one. Main story number two, then, is um, Apple had a pretty good night out in Los Angeles. They mm. may have picked up an Oscar or two or, you know. Three. Or three. Yeah. And then main story number three is uh, Apple may have had an event and they may have succeeded in emptying all of my wallets. Mm. Um, that 3%. Darn wish I had Yeah, that, that Mac Studio you bought me hasn't arrived yet. Oh, oh yeah. how tragic. It must have gotten lost. Uh, oh, interesting. Mm. Anyway, there are three main stories. So let us dig into main story mm. number one. The European Commission have come to an agreement on the Digital Markets Act, the DMA, and I think it's important immediately to stress that the aim of this legislation is to track is to tackle antitrust. This is not about anything else like regulating speech or stuff. This is purely about antitrust. Mm. And so the law is very very uneven by design. It really does just target the big companies. Like the GDPR was a burden on everyone. This is not like that at all. In order for this law to apply to you, you must be a so-called gatekeeper who provide a core platform service, which is browsers, operating systems, marketplaces, app stores, messaging services. Those are core platform services. And to be a gatekeeper, you need to be proper big. So... You need to have a market cap of 75 billion euro or an annual revenue of 7.5 billion euro. You know, pocket change. Um, You additionally need to have 45 million active weekly EU users. And you need to have 10,000 active annual business customers within the EU. So, yeah, so the aim is pretty clear. Yeah, the, the, the Apple, Amazon, Google, Meta. They're definitely it, in the crosshairs. Yeah. Twitter, not even Twitter. Even Twitter doesn't get caught up in this. Um. So what has happened... Yet. Elon Musk. I, well, yes. <laughs> so many shades of conversation for not this podcast. Definitely an interesting conversation, but not one for here. Um. So... 
what has happened is basically in order for something in the EU to become a law, the parliament, the commission and the council of ministers have to agree. And what they did this month was they all got together in a room and decided to actually agree on their approach before writing the finalised technical detail instead of the usual thing of the commission writers. The parliament say no, have another go. They have another go. The parliament say no, we're still not happy. And it goes round and round forever. They decided to get together beforehand And so now they've gone off to write the technical detail and it is expected it actually will pass because they've agreed. Now, it's a big law, lots of stuff in it. So I'm only going to focus on the Apple stuff here. From an Apple point of view, the highlights are that uh, gatekeepers must, quote, allow users to freely choose their browser virtual assistant or search engine. So this intersects with Apple from the obvious sense of Anything apart from S-Lady is very, 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 very second-class citizen on iOS. And, of course, browser-wise, you get to have a skin around Safari and call it Firefox or whatever. So there are two ways in which Apple may need to open up a little bit. They may actually have to allow other rendering engines, maybe, depending on how they write the technical detail. And it really does seem like they're going to have to provide some APIs so that uh, a lady can have a proper presence on the phone. I find this extraordinary. So there are some things in this that you've detailed in the show notes that kind of you can see the argument for. So uh, you said that Apple may be forced to provide APIs to allow smaller messaging services to interoperate with messages. And there's been a talk for a while and calls, particularly from Google, that it doesn't even want access to uh, iMessage, but it wants um, RCS, that standard, which is much more, it kind of gives much more uniformity across all messaging platforms so that you could, you know, that thing of the different colors for iPhone to iPhone messages and iPhone to Android messages, all that kind of thing uh, would go, would be removed with uh, RCS. Um uh, but I find things like proprietary, I find things like removing the S lady, which is completely proprietary and built into the system of But they're not Apple saying devices. remove. They're not saying remove, right? They're saying no, give a choice. Sure. But there's perhaps an argument that by buying an iPhone, you've already made your choice in the same way by buying an Amazon Echo Dot, you've made your choice. I, there is an argument for that, and I, 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 I'm going to disagree with you because I think someone needs to for the show to be interesting, not necessarily because I completely disagree with you. But I can, I can see the other point of view that if you're buying a phone, there are many really good reasons to buy an iPhone, and you're unlikely to have bought the iPhone because you want S Lady. It's, it's, you might. You might, but it doesn't seem like the primary driver. So I can see the argument that there should be APIs to allow you, as the owner of the phone, to choose to have A-Lady instead of S-Lady. Yeah, and maybe, I mean, I can see sort of the counter to my argument, which is, you know, one of the reasons I was keen to get HomePod minis instead of perhaps the alternatives was because it obviously integrated across my entire set of apple products Mm. and ecosystems Uh, and perhaps by having these kind of virtual assistants you know you could have an iphone and a set of amazon echo dots 
and they would work a lot better together, perhaps. I, I'm kind of perhaps hypothesizing. Well, that, that, no, you're not hypothesizing. What you're expressing is what the commission want to have happen because... right. Um, uh, Margaret Vestager, the the commissioner, has I, I've listened to a lot of interviews with her because she's she's an extremely clear speaker. Actually, she's um, she's very good at her job. Actually, as well. Um, but one of the things she's very concerned about is that these assistants are becoming immensely powerful, mm-hmm. and now is probably the time to stop them becoming the same cesspool that Meta etc has become. And so I, I I think they're quite keen to have them be open rather than. To be lucky. Yeah, and I, they're right to to note how powerful and important and fundamental our, to our experience with our devices, virtual assistants are, or will be at the very least. I mean, there's a lot of people and are, are and are increasingly becoming. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of people who completely ignore them today, but that won't be true five years from now. Absolutely not, not true. Ten years. Certainly from now. not. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, so you've already mentioned the messaging, which is definitely interesting. Um, I think the most open and shut thing of all is that Apple are going to have to take alternative payment mechanisms. And we're already mm-hmm. seeing that in the Dutch case, which we'll talk a little bit more shortly. So that that's just obvious that's going to happen. What's less obvious is quite where we're going with sideloading, because a lot of people were expecting that this would mean the the Wild West, what the Linux nerds want. You Anyone can install anything on their iOS device. And what I heard from commission staff was not that. The actual quote, because it caught my eye so much, I quoted it word for word in the show notes, multiple safe and secure app stores. Yeah, so the idea, I guess, is that you could put the Google Play Store on your iPhone. Yeah, so, I mean, the the technical detail has not been worked out, so I'm now about to speculate, right? So I want to make it very clear. Can you speculate, please, on to how this would advantage the customer? I, I can, as it happens. Great. This may be wishful thinking, right? So this is speculation. You know the way some people do predictions where what they're really doing is putting out a wish list? This may be that, right? But it is entirely compatible with what has been said by the commission. So you could imagine a world where, if you think about what Apple do in the App Store, they actually do two jobs. And on the Mac, they separate them out, right? So on the Mac, you can get your app security validated. I'm trying to remember the buzzword Apple use, notarized. You can get your app notarized, which is a security check, and it applies none of Apple's more societal policy checks. It's purely a security thing. And so Apple on the App Store say you can't have any naughty bits, right? Those are two separate pieces of the App Store. And on the Mac, they are two separate things. You, you, If you're in the App Store, you have to abide by all of Apple's rules, but you can still be notarized and have the security stuff applied without being in the App Store. So imagine an iOS world where you have multiple app stores with different policies about free speech and all that kind of stuff. But every app, no matter what app store, the app has to be notarized. Would that, yeah, presuming that that kind of sticks with this policy of multiple safe and secure app stores because the notarize that ticks the secure app stores bit. Exactly. And it's not Apple forcing their policies on people. It's just Apple saying, we want to do a security check before stuff gets on people's phones. Yep, yep. And the commission don't are not trying to have a free-for-all. The commission are trying to stop the little guy getting squished by the big guy. And who in this case is the little guy? It's not Google. No, Epic would like to think it's them. But it's not them. I think sure. a lot of smaller developers I mean, feel that because there's no market, there's no pressure 
to drive down the fees and stuff. Yeah, Apple obviously did what well, well, it made that cut for one million dollar under a million dollars, and it's fifteen percent. You cut, you give them as opposed to thirty, isn't it? Yes, which is an attempt to have regulators look the other. Basically, an attempt yes. to tell regulators, it, no, no, don't, 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 don't regulate. It was trying to try and offset some of this, wasn't it? Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, and also, as you point out in 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 the show notes, some of the stuff around so-called reader apps, um, magazines, newspapers, some of the audio music apps, all those kind of things, which also got the fifteen percent rate. It's tried to offset this stuff, but I, I think you're right that there's going to be no escape from it. Now, I and I think you know you are going to be able to access, say, the Fortnite. Apps App store. store on your iPad, which will probably please plenty of people. Yeah, um, and another place is and another place. Now that I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking on my feet now. So if I'm about to make an idiot of myself, we'll see what happens. Anyway, it's I'm okay. Just, We've just recording to me. it. Don't worry. Exactly. We're just talking to the internet. It's fine. Um, but it just occurred to me that a different type of app store is completely missing are speciality stores. And like the Epic sure. Store, you sort of said, but actually, if you think about it. As, like the equivalent of of GOG, good old games and stuff. Why couldn't they run a, a store where you can get like the old DOS emulators and stuff? Because just because Apple won't let you have an emulator in their app store, there's no reason I can't play Commander Keen. Right? It's not as if the iPhone can't handle the overhead of translating from x86. To, <laughs> you know? Could we see something like again? This is my chance at wild speculation. Steam right. on our iPad. That to me, that's a perfect candidate, right? They would love to have their own app store, and they would have no problem with the stuff having to pass effectively a fancy pants virus scan, right? I mean, that's not an issue for them at all to, no. to, to have it be notarized and secured. They just need to have a thing where, in fact, what you need is an app store where you don't have to pay for stuff because it's actually a subscription. Because we all need more subscriptions. But that's, I mean, if you, but we already have a Steam subscription. Yes. Yeah. Right, so what we need is for that store to appear on our iPhones, where we can simply get the games we've already paid for. Yeah, I have to say, I wish people could see the video of this because Grant, uh, because Bart's getting very excited about this. I, 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 well, it's 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 for my darling beloved, who's a mad gamer. But yes, I am getting excited by proxy, and I'm quite excited as well because I think it, it is the kind of the type of thing where you know there's Apple Arcade. Mm. on the ipad and some of the games are quite fun on that but actually you know even apple would admit that they don't have the sophistication of some of the stuff other gaming platforms can offer and so being able to move that to the ipad or particularly now that it's got things like an m1 chip in it and can handle some serious games um you know could benefit customers if as this progresses i really think so and microsoft would be very keen to join that bandwagon as well uh, with, mm. their, with their subscription service. And I think users would benefit greatly because as much as I think Epic are, uh, they're, they're being disingenuous as all heck, Epic users really would benefit from them having an app store. Even if by proxy it makes your man Sweeney more money, which I don't <laughs> like. This is People want to play Fortnite on their iPhone and iPad. Absolutely they do. Absolutely they do. And they should. 
Uh, let me see what else do we have in here. Um, Apple may be forced to share more information with developers because one of, one of now this is sort of a side effect because this provision is really aimed at the Amazons of the world who run this massive store. They watch everything people do and then they go and compete against their own sellers by making their Amazon Essentials range and knocking their own people out of business. Uh, but a side effect of that may be that Apple have to share more information with developers about how App Store stuff is going, which could be useful. Similar to the I podcast. suspect developers would always be keen to have more information about app performance. Definitely. Uh, there's also a ban on self-preferencing, which again would affect Apple in the App Store, where they would need to be scrupulously honest about not putting their own stuff ahead of others in search results. Now, mm. they say they're not doing that, and they admit that they had a bug in their algorithm when they accidentally were doing that, or at least they say it was accidental and they've stopped. Anyway, this, just puts it in, this would just put it in law. No self-preferencing. And then the last one that crossed my radar is that uh, they will be required to give, quote, fair access to, quote, supplementary functionalities, which as best as I can tell is your NFC chip and that kind of stuff, which Apple are locking down much, particularly in continental Europe. There, There are a lot of third party equivalents of Apple Pay that are can't work on the iPhone because they don't have access to the NFC chip. And that is making a lot of people on the continent very cranky. And I think that's definitely feeding into this. Yeah. I mean, you and I both said earlier that actually Apple Pay, and I've, I use the NFC chip for other things. Uh, I think it gives me my season ticket to football matches. I now use that. Just my phone is my season ticket to tap in. You can use it on the underground system. Yeah. Uh, to which is pure Apple Pay to um, access public transport here in London. Um, it obviously wider access to the NFC chip obviously opens up a whole host of tap and go possibilities, which definitely benefit the customers. So they're the ones that caught my eye anyway. I, I think that's sort of from an Apple point of view, the main thing. Um, if you want to get a feel for what the, the European Commission have in mind, having a read of their press release is not particularly long, but it gives you a good taste of where their heads are at and where they're coming from. So that's linked in the show notes. Um, and then I have links to various other stories, giving good summaries of it. Um, and in related news, um, Apple have released a new entitlement that developers of reader apps can apply for, which will allow them to finally create the button to go and set up your account outside of the app. This is this has been something I have been begging for for years now. I think it's ridiculous. You can install the Netflix app and Netflix literally can't help you. They're forbidden yeah, from helping that, you. that has been changing that they can nudge you out to... Well, now is the first time. So they agreed, and they were they were the Japanese competition authority found against Apple some months. Yeah, ago. and the, and then Apple said we're not going to do this just in Japan. We're going to do it everywhere. But they they said it, they didn't do it until yeah. now. So now we have a mechanism, and the mechanism is, is that, you have to apply for this. Happening in real life, yes, it's. Yeah, it always seemed bizarre because, as I said, the read apps definitely got a lower had a lower cut taken from them as well didn't they and well they're exempt the reader apps are exempt from having to necessarily they've had a special case because you yeah they have been a special case and there's apple realized that it obviously was gonna 
you know, allow people to decided that uh, it was going to direct allow apps like Netflix, as a bunch of others you could think of, uh, to bump people to buy stuff. We're going to give them one chance to bump them out of the app on your iPhone or iPad, weren't they? And then to pay directly through the service on their website. Um, so yeah, it's good to see this happening, kind of in reality, I guess. It's definitely progress. Um, Anti-steering is the fancy pants term. And the thing is, the Japanese just happened to get there first, but uh, it's also something they have to do for the Epic case. Mm. And once, as I say, once the the Japanese ruling came through, the Apple sort of decided. This was quite some months ago that it was going to do it in all markets. So anyway, that's becoming real. And then, of course, we have the the Dutch case continuing to rumble Mm. up. What weaker fines are we on now? Uh, a 10, I think. Oh, blimey. Uh, but I guess the really, look, the important news is actually that Apple have had another go at uh, at, at uh, some compliance plans. Um, they have removed the requirement for needing a separate binary, which was absolutely insane. So that that's an improvement. They've also actually put some flesh on the bones of the whole, well, yeah, the external payment will need to be trustworthy. It's like, what do you mean, Apple? So they've, they've actually defined some criteria. So that means it has a chance of actually working. And uh, they are reducing and uh, making it a bit less hyperventilating the warning dialogues that are enforced on apps that do this. Um, The wording is in the Daring Fireball post linked in the show notes. And to me, the wording is now factual and sensible. It's basically, you're leaving Apple. We can't help you anymore. Which is fine, because that's you're what's on happening. Your own. Yeah, you're on your own. Welcome to the Wild West. That, that's what's happening. And it now says it in a way that doesn't sound ridiculous. Um, so Yeah, and this obviously enough. also fits into this idea of, you know, the conversation we've had about sideloading and access to third-party app stores and stuff as well. Exactly. Um, and then just, just because, um, another story that broke is that there's a new class action being started in Europe by a crowd who called themselves the Consumer Competition Claims Foundation, which sounds very fancy pants. They're headquartered in the Netherlands and uh, they say that they're a generic sort of organisation for consumer stuff. But literally everything they do is this one Apple case. And I actually read their uh, document of incorporation, which they have on their website, and they have removed the dateline from it. Because when you look at the PDF's metadata, the thing was filed in March this year. This company appears to have sprung up out of nowhere for the sole purpose of doing this class action. But they're doing everything they can to make it look like they're a long-standing organisation. I looked at their entire website. They do not... They're about us. Nowhere do they specify when they came into being. They just make these very broad statements, which are factually true because they're lawyers, but actually say nothing. And the more I dig... Because they're lawyers. Because they're lawyers. And the more I dig, the more this becomes clear to me is that this is a vehicle for the sole purpose of trying to get some of Tim Cook's money. Uh, Yeah, this is intriguing, actually. I mean... And I suspect if it succeeds, we'll see lots of other things. I'm not sure this has that much of a chance because the whole thing is based on the yeah. assumption that they just assume, <laughs> they just assume that if the if the app store was open, all apps would be twenty five percent cheaper. Therefore, you owe us five billion euro. Yeah, I don't quite know how you get to those numbers. Uh, it involves pulling out of and orifices. Okay. Perfect. Thanks for clarifying. Yes, in a non-clear way. 
Um, no, it's very clear. <laughs> not explicit I'm then. Has, has... I'm very clear what you meant. <laughs> okay, uh, unless you have anything else you want to throw in, Charlotte, um, that, that is sort of all I think is important about the ADDMA. Mm, no, great. It's, it's going to be, uh, could have quite big impacts, but it's going to be very, very interesting to watch. Yeah, stay tuned. I'm sure we will talk about this again. Uh, okay, so moving on to the the, re- the to the reason I invited you of all people on planet Earth to be mm-hmm. my guest this month. Um, Apple TV Plus went to the Oscars. Uh, they won three of them. So uh, yeah, boy, are they mad at Will Smith? Yeah, because yeah, he stole the, their big night. Um, he really did. Yeah. So yeah, best picture, a- best supporting actor, and best adapted screenplay, all for Coda. Huge. Uh, Huge, huge, huge moment. Um, and it's huge because they're huge awards and very significant awards and people who care about these things really care about these things. And it's a big deal because they beat Netflix. They're yeah. the first streaming service to have won Best Picture. Obviously, um, Netflix has won a whole host of awards over the years, including at the Academy Awards. But obviously winning best picture was a huge target for netflix um for streamers in general and to have been beaten by the relative newcomer in apple is you know is a big deal for apple to have won it's a huge moment um you know this is service has been around for less than th- three years um it's hard to believe it, actually that it, it's it'll be three years in november three years in november yeah um so coda I mean, I'm sure lots of your listeners have watched it. It's a film. They picked it up at Sundance, I believe. Yes. Um, and it was, it was really well received at the festival. It um, is. It tells the story of a, a teenager, a 17-year-old, who is the only hearing member of her family, a coder, ch- children of deaf adults. And the, the uh, family are told that Basically, they run a fishing business, but are told that regulations have changed and the hearing, there has to be a hearing member. And so the daughter is kind of left in this quandary of following her musical dreams because she is a wonderful singer or staying and helping out the family. And it unpacks all those dynamics and the relationships and so on. Um, as you say, Troy Cutts are one best supporting actor and he is the first deaf male to win that award. Nice. Um, so that was obviously another break, big breakthrough moment. Uh, obviously, also a huge moment for Sean Hader to win uh, Best Adapted Screenplay. So, uh, overall, it was Apple's had another really successful um, awards season. Um, there's, you know, is it particular? But it all uh, well. There's lots of things we can talk about: Ted Lasso, Carpool Karaoke, and so on. Uh, but the uh, the Oscars is obviously the biggest. There's been a there was a big concerted campaign around Coda. Um, and it's kind of a big endorsement, I think, of Apple's what Apple has been doing with TV Plus and the kind of stuff it's getting. And uh, I have—I don't think I included it in the show notes because they're not official numbers, but there are reports that Apple's numbers went right up after winning an Oscar. Who would have thought? Yeah, I'm sure it made people take out at least a seven-day free trial to watch Coda. At the very least, yeah. At the very least, which is exactly what Apple wants. It's always kind of emphasise quality over quantity and that seems to, uh, you know, be paying off. Yeah. 
And we should say that they're they're really doubling down on this. Uh, they are bringing it back to cinemas. Um, so uh, it, and including with captions uh, for the deaf and hard of hearing. Which yeah, obviously they were. I mean, it would be foolish of them. Uh, and uh, in its original little theatre run, um, there were special events uh, for deaf and hard of hearing people. And obviously, you can't really have a film like this and not handle the accessibility requirements properly. Um, actually, on my show, on the edition, I was talking about this and we were kind of speculating that could you actually build in proper ASL and BSL uh, into kind of captions as well as improving the captioning in all Apple films? Could that be one of the fallouts? Um, and yeah. also just the kind of representation that comes with a film like this it is really important. So it's all very well us talking about glamorous moments, you know, glamorous tech people going to the Oscars and winning big awards. But obviously this film means quite a lot for a community. So that's also quite powerful. It's a very Apple choice of film to put their weight behind, isn't it? Yeah, I I think it is. Um, We've seen, you know, if you go through the Apple TV plus catalog, there's kind of the HBO or it's attempt at HBO style, big dramas and slick dramas um there's increasingly some kind of foreign language content there's patinka at the moment which is in english korean and japanese at various points and obviously trying to dig into that um there's a, there's a big move into live sport now to, uh, friday uh, the baseball season has started and the first friday night uh baseball of the season is going to be on apple tv plus they're showing games every week now so that's for free it, I mean, that's for actually, free yes technically i have this in the show notes as part of the next show but let's actually talk about it here because it's so related here because basically yeah. it's a gigantic big ad for apple tv plus is what it is a very expensive ad for apple tv plus yeah but this again this is been the theme with tv plus the whole way at the moment i can't imagine apple is really making any money at all from TV Plus is putting a lot into content and big name films and TV series. Everything it makes is pretty big budget or certainly looks pretty big budget. It must have spent a lot of money to have Friday Night Baseball and it's not even making you be a TV Plus subscriber to watch it. If the rumours are to be believed, I have it in the show notes somewhere, apparently they paid $87 million. Sounds about right. Yeah. Quite the ad. It, um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, it, it is really, again, it, I sort of find this frustrating in a way. And there is a bit of a caveat with all this that so much production was delayed due to COVID. But I always find it frustrating sometimes with Apple that it start, has a good thing and a good idea, particularly in the media and services space, and doesn't... doesn't or immediately put its weight behind it. It takes a bit of time. Like, this is, ta- you know, to get a film that it can put a full Best Picture Oscars campaign behind, yes, it is quite a quick turnaround in two years, but also Apple had the resources to do that from the offset, really, if you look at what Apple can do. I'm not saying it's easy, but Apple can do this kind of thing. Um, and, you know, it's paid off because they brought this wonderful film that lots of people love, that's had a big impact on people and won them the Best Picture Oscar. And what sort of impresses me about Apple TV Plus is that it's it's very, it's built itself quite the foundation because whatever it is you're into, so 
I, I'm not a big movie person. I did watch Greyhound. I thought it was grand. Um, but I'm really a documentary person. Um, and be, myself and uh, the better half together enjoy sci-fi. So Foundation was... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, did you do that pun? Did you do that pun? You see, that I watched a couple of episodes and just was somewhat exhausted by it. But again, Foundation is a great example, right? Apple must have spent a fortune on that. It looks amazing. It, it, it looks is just amazing. absolutely incredible. But then but, you look at documentaries like The Earth at Night. Mm. Stunning. And that must have cost a fortune. And now we have the new dinosaur yeah. one that's about to, to, to drop at the yeah. end of the month here. That looks amazing. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, and even if you're into the more, you know, not as high budget stuff, like the, the recently done one on Lincoln, it, mm-hmm. but it didn't cost much. But it was extremely well researched and thoughtful. It's a difficult topic. Yeah, and, and you've it was got the, very the Macbeth well. adaptation on there from from Joel Cohen. There's, I, I think there is still a perception in the wider public that Apple TV Plus is the Ted Lasso service. Well, that's kind of and interesting because I'm not sure that's fair anymore. It isn't because the other thing that it, it's on my radar only because I do this show. There's yeah. a lot of really good kid content on Apple TV+. Yes, Plus. yes, yes. yes. They've, that's been from the start that that's been a real big focus. They obviously realised to get people to pay, it needed stuff for adults and kids on there. And, the kids you know, is brought wholesome. back fra- Fraggle Rock. Um, yeah, I've been a bit of my childhood, right? Snoopy and Fraggle Rock. Okay, that's, right. that's nostalgia. But I love the fact new that you're stuff. that you only watch that for, as research. Literally no one believes you, Bart. I, I honestly, of pure nostalgia, I, I did watch Snoopy Goes to Space. I did. Snoopy Goes to Space is great. Like, it's um, all, who doesn't want to watch Snoopy go to space? It's, you know, and I think Apple has arguably done quite a bad job to this point of explaining how much different stuff there is on TV+. And people have let it, people have sort of become to think it's just the... Uh, you know, you watch the morning show with Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Ted Lasso, and there isn't much else there. And there is now a proper catalogue there. Well, so does that mean then that the the Friday night baseball is arriving at exactly the right time when giving away? Well, I free think it's probably baseball. the first point it could have bought it in terms of the rights being available. And again, True. it dabbled in this. You know. I spent a lot of time writing and talking about this, but live sport is a bit of a different beast to do than having um, than having films and TV available. It is a slightly different thing. Yes, because they actually have a show to go with the live games. Yeah, but also you can't... Like, it matters, live sport being how it's streamed. Like, the streaming quality really matters. It really matters that everyone's watching it at basically the same time. Um, the example I always use when talking about this is when Amazon Prime Video first got Premier League football here in the UK and the first bits were pretty shambolic and there were delays and people were seeing goals at different points and it was all quite messy. And obviously that's not a thing that Apple likes. So there's lots of reasons why live sport might have taken a different time. Um, big name movies is a different thing. And interestingly... Code actually, they didn't spend that much money on 
it didn't take very much to make and they didn't make it anywhere they bought it from Sundance the campaign was a relatively big campaign but not a big campaign by the standards that Apple can spend I think it's more an example of really good curation they basically went to Sundance and were able to see what was playing in front of their face and that they saw it better than others and they were able to buy the movie and not too outlandish a price yeah, and it and it and it's paid off and been hugely successful and done a huge amount for, as I say, for representation and so on. Yeah. Now, um, early on in this show's history, I used to read out every nomination for awards, and that became ridiculous. So at the start of this year, I mm. made the decision that from now on we only read out the actual awards they win. And looking at my own show notes now, that's ridiculous too. Mm. So I'm just going to very, very quickly scan through these just to give you a flavour of the fact that it really isn't just the Oscars. Um, so we have Troy Kotzer also managed to pick up uh, Best Supporting Male Actor from the Independent Spirit Awards. Uh, Coda has managed to pick up two BAFTA Film Awards in the UK. Uh, best Screenplay, sorry, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Supporting Actor for Troy Kotzer again. Ted Lasso swept the uh, Critics' Choice Awards comedy categories, Best Comedy Series, Best Actor in a Comedy Series, Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. Uh, it just goes on. Carpool Karaoke for All Mankind picked up uh, Producers Guild of America Awards. Uh, the All Mankind one was for the AORV or Companion Experience. Uh, that, the- that was quite cool. It was cleverly done, that. I, I'll be honest, I enjoyed the series. I didn't bother with the AOR thing. I maybe Yeah, I it was quite fun. Maybe I should. Uh, and then Apple TV Plus managed to get uh, WGA, uh, oh, Writers Guild of America, oh, PGA, Producers, Producers Guild. Guild, and CAS. Nope, that one's gone. Don't know what that one is. Yeah, I mean, Ted Lasso, I mean, this is blasphemous, but it's lucky no one can really hear us. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I thought Ted Lasso season two wasn't that great. Some of it was really good. Some of it took itself a bit too seriously, which was a real shame. I enjoyed it on the whole, and I I was very the sad. twist at the end. The twist at the end is brilliant. Um, I was very sad when when the the, the psychiatrist left. I I, I really loved. Has she left? I hope she comes back. I Do hope we she think? Hasn't. I think she might be coming back. Anyway, I hope so. Uh, and apparently, uh, the journalist who uh, Roy, no, the journalist from the Independent is also going to play a big role uh, I hope in so. series I three. Character. I love his character. Um, um, he, but, he was on a thing with Stephen Fry that was fantastic that never went anywhere and it really should have, whose name I now can't remember. And I'm uh, absolute power. I, I just think um, that actually, so Ted Lasso obviously did a huge amount to promote Apple TV Plus as a service. And it was the reason why lots of people heard about this funny little show and picked it out. Um, the best show on Apple TV Plus is Mythic Quest, and I won't be taking questions at this time. <laughs> to, each, to each their own. So with that, I mean, that, that kind of is the point, right? To each their own. There actually is a lot there, and we haven't even mentioned the fact that the streaming charts were topped by uh, Severance and something else, Apple. Oh, no, Coda. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Uh, of course. So, it, yeah, it's really kind of impressive, I think. And uh, I should also mention to our listeners in the UK, you can get uh, three three free months of Apple TV Plus if you're a Sky VIP customer. That's yeah, they're building bad. it. They're building it in to to uh, I think the Sky Q platform. Yes, that that was the story last month or the month before as well. Yeah. Um, 
Unless you have something else, I think we should uh, stop teasing people and go on to the fun hardware news. What do you think? Oh, go on then. Go on then. So Apple had a Wii event. Um, Again, not an in-person one, one of the fun virtually produced ones. Peak performance, where we got to have quite the peak at some really quite impressive performance. Uh, So really jumping into... Okay, so boring stuff. Not boring but less exciting stuff first. The iPhone 13 and the iPhone 13 Pro have gotten new colours. This seems to be Apple's new thing, that we give the fun colours half a year through when people like Bart have already committed themselves to a blue that isn't blue. Uh, I'm still bitter. I'm on a 12 Pro of blue, so I'm very happy with it. Well, when they did green, I got the green and it was horrible. And when they did Mm. blue, I was really excited because blue is so my colour. And then it wasn't blue. And now they've done a green I actually think I like. But then again, maybe if I see it in the flesh, I won't like it. I don't know. Anyway, green iPhone 13 and 13 Pro. And they look pretty to me. Uh, we have fourth gen- uh, sorry, fifth generation iPad Air, which gets an M1, which surprised me. Uh, 5G I'm not surprised. Surprise and I think that, that basically completes the transition to M1, doesn't it? For basically all the iPads? So that is Apart just an entry-level mini. iPad. And the Mini. But I guess they should. Oh, yeah, go. if they're going to still bother with the Mini. I, I honestly thought the M's were going to go in the Pros only. I'm, I'm really surprised no, the Air has they're moving up. everything to Apple Silicon eventually. But, but the A series are Apple Silicon. So that's yeah, that's true. I, it's an interesting branding choice that the Air seems to be getting bumped up as being. Uh, at, yeah, let's not. If we keep doing this, we're going to go trigger me off into a rant of like, what's the difference between these different models and what's a Pro and what's an Air and what's a normal and. I think Fair we'll point. be here for a long time if I get bogged down in this. I think the bottom line is that uh, there is now an extremely good value for money iPad Air with a very impressive processor, 5G if you think that's not a gimmick, and centre stage support and without a big price bump. So basically, that's now the iPad I will recommend to friends and family because that's a darn nice device mm. for a good price. Mm. Um, I think if I were looking to upgrade an iPad, that's what the direction I would go. Yeah. Um, the the iPhone SE got a redesign to the next uh, iPhone SE 2, A15 chip, 5G as well. Same outside, which is... Which is I was surprised thing. at the 5G in the SE. The, but it justified I, a slight price rise, so maybe that I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, it's... It is interesting. They really are pushing it very cutting edge, right? So it's the same industrial design, absolutely zero change there. Your case will even fit. It is the same outside, but the very newest insides and, you know, the benchmarks and stuff have shown that, yep, it's a blazingly fast phone. Um, If you really care about 5G, it's um, not the 5G-est of 5G. Um, It's not that frequency that travels two feet and is useless. Uh, I may be showing a slight bias there. I think a lot of that 5G stuff is hype. Anyway, it's fi- it's got it's got the good 5G. Uh, you can drop it and it's just as strong as the iPhone 13. So it would appear the glass has gotten a bit of TLC. And I actually think probably one of the most significant things about it, uh, certainly about its outsides, since they haven't changed shape, is that this is the first example of Apple's major investment in aluminium processing uh, bearing fruit. The Canadian company Alysis is using hydropower to run a full-scale industrial aluminium plant that is being used for these iPhone 3, these iPhone SEs, which doesn't spit out vast wadges of CO2. Instead, it releases some oxygen. 
Very clever. That's stupendously clever because normally smelting aluminium and that, yep. it, it's terrible. Not very that I, green. Um, stumbling over saying it the European way. My, I have been listening to too many American podcasts. It causes me effort to say it correctly. I keep on wrongly saying aluminum in my no. head. Aluminium. Aluminium. Yep. Are we, 100% of this panel agrees. Yes, absolutely right. We've already mentioned the Friday Night Baseball. Uh, what we didn't mention is the countries. So obviously the USA being mm-hmm. their big sport. Uh, but it's actually bigger than that. It's USA, Canada, Australia, Brazil, Japan, Mexico, Puerto Rico, South Korea. Bit of a curveball. And the United Kingdom. Uh, no, South Korea is not a particular curveball. I think Japan and South Korea baseball is pretty huge. Ah. Um, same with Puerto Rico. Where huge num and Mexico, where huge numbers of baseball players come from. Um, the intre- and I guess kind of USA and Canada makes sense. Partic- oh, Canada obviously has to happen because uh, there's Canadian teams competing in Major League Baseball. Yes. Um, Australia, Brazil, and the UK. There's obviously some interest in baseball. Perhaps the kind of getting the rights for those was easy, uh, and also it might be a way of attracting and you know a new audience. Yeah. So anyway, it's uh, certainly an interesting development. Um, And then, of course, we move into the thing we were all waiting for. Um, So Mm. I think, okay, I was definitely in the market for a 27-inch shiny new M1-based iMac. But uh, Apple saw my need and said, yes, we will make you a computer, just not the one you think you want, the one we think you want. And I have to say, I think they're right. I think they knew me better than I knew me. So what they so they started off by teasing us about the fact that they're hang on, let me get this right. So we had the M1, and then we had the M1 Pro, and then we had the M1 Max, and that sounded like the highest superlative. I didn't think there no, were superlatives, you but can no. go bigger and better bar. There is a bigger word which is ultra. And it turns out that the M1 Max had this interconnect built into it all along with like terabits of bandwidth. And you can shove two of them together and they behave because they have a unified memory architecture. And how do you have unified memory across two chips? Well, the answer is with terabits worth of an interchange or an interconnect. And that's what they've done. So you take two Maxes and you shove them together and you get an ultra. And it's just obscene the amount of computing power. Like, yeah, staggering. I had a look. I had a look. I sort of teased myself by having a look at what, if I bought a studio um, and a display, what it would cost me. And I think I was back about seven grand before I had to close the Apple store and not not tempt myself further. Yes. But um, these are staggeringly fast computers. I saw someone describe it as kind of Apple capturing the prosumer market. You know, very much. And so the obvious thing is, okay, we've shown you this amazing chip and it's an amazing chip. So the next obvious question is, okay, then Apple, what are you going to build around said amazing Mm -hmm. chip? And the name they went with, I think, speaks volumes. It is the Mac Studio. Mm -hmm. And they really pitched this at creators. They really, really, really pitched this at, you know, music studios, film studios, photo professionals. This is uh, the Mac for me and you frankly. I would love a Mac Studio and the display, although apparently there have been some quite big issues with the display's webcam. 
But well, we anyway, get to that, we get to that in a moment. So, yes. So the but, the Mac Studio is like an iMac, only you'd stretch it. Yeah. Well, I think it's like two Mac, a double decker Mac Mini. Sorry, did I, I said iMac, didn't I? Because my brain is still stuck on the fact that I want a twenty-seven inch iMac. Um, sorry, I didn't mean Mac Mini, but I said the wrong word. Yeah. I, so I use a Mac Mini, and I love it. It's the 20 i think 2018 late 28 mid 2018 mac mini i have and i love it um and i'm slightly disappointed that this but it it makes sense from apple's perspective this would not be a mac mini price point correct because basically what this is is an extremely powerful mac mini like device with a heck of a lot more connectivity and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which again and as you at say it's for creators and pros um and i think it's a great device um it's a very tempting device for lots of people doing as you say video work you know you the truth is you do not need this device if the main thing you do in your life is spreadsheets and word documents correct. and email and i think actually the very important thing to understand with these devices is that Every M1 Mac, from the M1 with no uh, suffixes, like just the M1, Mm. all the way up to the M1 Ultra, the individual speed of each chip is the same. So unless you're doing workloads that can be spread across multiple chips in parallel, you get no value whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, it's always tempted to go for the biggest and the best, but most people's workflow does not require it. But obviously people working in things like video do require this heavy-duty stuff, um, um, these heavy-duty systems, and the Studio Mac and the M1 Ultra chip clearly do provide that. Yeah, and you don't have to get the ultra chip. You could, there's also a version of the studio, but you do though, with, Bart, don't with you? just the Max. But you do though, don't you? Otherwise, I don't, what's the point? Honest. I don't. Um, and to be so, the second half of the story, I think we should get to next before I say what I'm thinking. Um, so, if you take a 27 inch iMac and you're going to offer me a replacement, giving me a double decker Mac Mini is literally only half the story, and it's also only half the story Apple told. The matching part to that that Mac Studio is the new studio display, and we we all sort of felt that the uh, the 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 bigger Pro Display was the Pro Display they call it, wasn't it? Um, no, they called it oh the previous one. I think the, it was called the XDR Pro. Wasn't XDR, it? which just sounded like a name with many many superlatives. Like they were basically trying to signal the fact that this is the top of a line that will have more in it than one. And that is exactly, just like the Mac Studio sits under the Mac Pro, this display sits under that Pro display. But it is nonetheless an extremely impressive display with, again, very nice hardware. And uh, iFixit have, of course, ripped one apart because what else would you do? Uh, And the cooling inside is very impressive, very similar to the uh, iMac Pro, in fact, because they have taken the entire power supply and managed to lose it inside the display. It's actually thicker than the 24-inch iMac, which has an external power brick. Mm. And it contains, like, basically a little iPhone. Uh, It contains a little 13 chip and 64 gigs of memory, of which it's using two, uh, because it also has a webcam and really quite nice speakers and microphones. And it can do uh, the, the center stage thing and if you have a Mac that's too old to do uh, some of the voice assistant stuff, it brings that along. 
Yeah, it's pretty stunning what they've put into this. As I say, I think I've heard of some issues around the webcam. I saw Nelia Patel at The Verge in particular yes. tweeting about it and commenting on this. But as a matter of principle, Apple having an in Apple has not made that many displays recently. No, um, they got out of the market. They've really got out of the market. So having this high-end 5K display is pretty impressive. I'm not convinced I need one. You know, you can buy a strong word. Yeah. Like I can buy a pretty decent 4K or even 5K display. and I've got a decent webcam anyway. So it's not for everyone. But I I get if you're, say, again, go back to your original point. If you're setting up a new film production studio, if you're setting up a new, you know, music studio and you're spending a lot of money anyway, why not buy the full set? Yeah. And just actually to circle back on the webcam, so the, the actual hardware of the webcam is the same as one of the big iPads. So it's actually really good hardware. And the suspicion was that it was a firmware issue and it in fact mm. is a firmware issue and there is a patch on the way. So that webcam issue should resolve itself. It should basically yeah. be as good as the iPads that it was literally. We haven't. Yeah. The time we're working on this, we haven't had that software update, but it is expected. Yes. And it literally the thing runs iOS. It's running iOS 15 at the moment. <laughs> Which is insane. It's a display that runs out. Of course, of course it is. Which does make me wonder what additional superpowers this thing can develop over time. Well, that I think that's the really most interesting aspect of it. What are they going to push in the future? I think that's... Because I, I assume this is not going to be a piece of kit Apple updates all that regularly. It's hard to know if you've gone to the bother of putting an A15 and iOS in it. Do you start to treat it like a HomePod and stuff and start to give it fairly regular features? No, I'm talking about the the hardware. Side. Oh, the hardware. Yes, no, oh, sorry. Yes, so I don't think we're going to see like the Mac Studio 2 next year. Uh, yeah, okay. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but I think we will see over-the-air updates to the software. And I think that will be absolutely fascinating to see what they do with that and what they can offer consumers by as you say sticking an iphone in a display yeah uh surprising no one the lg ultra fine 5k display has vanished from apple store i don't know why they would have gotten rid of that um and samsung are in the market with a new m8 display which i think is four rather than 5k but it looks like a nice display all the same um and I think the, the other thing that really strikes me, so I am in the process of setting up a new studio. Um, I, I'm waiting on a few, I'm waiting on my accountant to line a few ducks up for me, but I will be setting up a new workspace and I will I will be setting it up with the intention of it lasting me for a while. And so actually one of the things is you can get this display with a Visa mount, which you can't get with an iMac, which is most annoying. So that's a good thing. So I'll probably be getting monitor arms, uh, cinema display, or sorry, not a cinema display, a studio display. And then I have I have a devil on one shoulder and an angel on another shoulder. And the angel is going, Bart, save yourself some money. What you actually want is not a low-end Mac studio. What you actually want is a high-end Mac mini to go with your display. And then on the other side of me, it's going, yeah, but if you're going to set it up for the long haul and you want this to last. You want a Mac Pro? I, I, no, I definitely want a Mac Pro. That's definitely overkill for me. So this question is, this a low-end studio or a high-end Mac Mini? 
<laughs> and, you know, and between those two options, they actually do... Well, I think you highlight, you're hitting on something that keeps happening across the Apple range. And I mentioned it when we mentioned the iPad Air. The lines are becoming a bit blurred. You say blurred. I, I sort of say that I actually think that there were people saying that there's a gap and that Apple aren't filling the need left by the 27 inch iMac because the the Mac Studio is too much. And a lot of people and a lot of different Slack, you know, Slack communities and stuff chimed in like, hang on a second, you do know they make a Mac Mini, right? And when you think about the price point of the old 27 inch iMac, that amazing new Apple display with a high end Mac Mini. That hit that hits exactly the spot. Mm. The, That's true. What's below a prosumer? Like a, a keen a keen home pro, right? That hits that yeah. sweet spot perfectly. And I mean, I'm currently on a 2018 27 inch iMac. That machine has done me sterling service. So that is definitely the right sort of area for Apple to look to replace it. I think, you know, a high-end Mac Mini with that display does actually replace this iMac extremely well. Yeah, oh, you you probably would never max it out. I mean, mm. you, you're never going to find something you can't do with that setup. Exactly. And then the equivalent of the current Pro it's just how I guess iMac. the answer is how, the question is how future-proofed is it? Exactly. And so myself and my accountant will have a wee discussion <laughs> uh, and then I'll see what I end up buying. Uh, but, but you know, thinking sort of about the lineup, right? So Apple made two iMacs. Sorry, Apple made three iMacs. They made the smaller one, which they have very nicely replaced with the shiny, colourful new M1 iMac. Problem solved there. And then there were two 27-inch iMacs. There was the normal one in silver and the Pro one, which actually had a full-on workstation inside, right? They were Xeon chips. And that one, to me, is perfectly replaced with the studio, with the studio display. Right, yeah, yeah. So basically the silver 27-inch iMac is the Mac Mini Plus Studio display and the black or space grey, if we're going to be apple about it, is perfectly replaced by the Mac Studio with the Studio display. That is my read of where Apple is going with this. I like decoupling the display because this 27-inch iMac is getting long in the tooth, right? I have to remember to shut down a few apps before I record this show or my audio stutters from time to time. And the display is perfect. And so I feel mm. very bad about the fact that well, now I'm going to get I'm going to hand this Mac down because while it's not great for me to podcast on, it's more than enough for my dad to do his spreadsheets on for some time to come. So this is this Mac is going to live on. But in the future, knowing that if I buy the display separate, I don't have to upgrade them together. That's actually very powerful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it is like. Uh, and it goes back to the point of again what updates they're going to put over the air on the display that mean you're not that you know you can make that last longer than perhaps the computer yeah yeah so as I say a fascinating event Um, unless you have anything else to chime in I'm going to move us on no as I said I'm just waiting for my Mac Studio that you bought me to arrive it may be some time that's my fee for doing the show right Mm. yeah yes uh, payment at uh, infinity Okay, cool, great. Yeah, so just, just stay tuned. It will, it will arrive before, before the end of the universe, before the heat death of the universe. <laughs> uh, okay, so let us round out the show with a few other quick stories that uh, crossed 
my radar in March. Uh, Apple released iOS 15.4 and macOS 12.3. Those were not just your normal bug fixy updates. Those were those halfway through the year here have some shiny updates. The two pieces of shiny are Face ID Unlock with a Mask on iOS and Universal Control across the line. Both. Yeah, Face ID with a mask without needing to wear an Apple Watch as well. Because Face ID with a mask, mask unlock with an Apple Watch has been around for a while. And it I, it works well, but a lot of people don't have Apple Watches. Correct. Uh, Apple have released a new version of the Beats Studio 3 headphones called Cosmophones by uh, entertainer Kerwin Frost. I think they're darn cute. I don't want them. Yeah, they're them. nice. Apple's done a few of these sync ups with the Beats range, so they're pretty cool. Yeah, I thought they were pretty nice. Um, I can put my Belgian hat on and say that uh, the HomePod Mini has rolled out to Belgium, Switzerland and the Netherlands, which is nice. Uh, Apple are continuing their push into education in America. They have launched a program called Apple Learning Coach. I had fun writing these show notes. It's a program to teach teachers to teach teachers to use Apple technology to teach. That is factually correct, but let me say that again so it doesn't say... No, you don't know. (laughs) No, no, I'll say it for real instead of saying it's stupid. So this is a program where Apple will train people to teach people who teach how to use tech to improve their teaching. That wasn't much better than my first attempt. I see why they're calling it a learning coach. (laughs) Anyway, it's it's a good program. Um, And then I think a very big deal within a very small community... uh, Basically, people who do my job, a lot of them are very excited because up until now, both Apple School Manager and Apple Business Manager have only had one possible federated identity source for managed Apple IDs, which was Office 365. Now, I happen to work in an Office 365 place. So for me, it's been working fine. But for all of those places who have Google as their back end, they have had to manually provision Apple IDs for all their staff and students, which is a gigantic pain. Well, they can now have federated identities backending into Google Workspace, and that is a big deal, even yeah. if I think Google are evil. Um, we should also say that as well as the, the cool new green aluminium, Apple were also busy doing some other environmental stuff. Um, their Viborg data center in Denmark is being extended and they're using the heat from the data center to provide energy to the city, which I just Very think is cool. really cool. Uh, and they have also published their 2022 Supplier Responsibility Progress Report. Uh, and announced at the same time that they're spending 50 million on uh, supplier employee development. So basically education programs for the employees of their suppliers, which there's no yeah, reason and also, have to. Yeah, again, nice. more reason to stick working in and around Apple. Exactly. If you are the owner of a very expensive bicycle that doesn't go anywhere, i.e. a Peloton, and you were one of those people who got cranky when Peloton took away the heart rate integration and said it was Apple's fault. Well, they just brought it back, and Apple haven't done anything to make it come back. So I'm not entirely sure what was going on there. But the good news is Peloton owners have their Apple Watch integration back. So good. And then keep the date. Two of them. Uh, One of them a little more soon than the other. April the 28th, Apple will tell us how much money they made in Q2 2022, which is the first three months of 2022, not the first two months, because Apple... And uh, in June, from the 6th to the 10th, we get to go along to a virtual Worldwide Developer Conference 
if you are a student, the Swift Student Challenge is open. And there, there are going to be some people for like the State of the Union and the main event, the main keynote at WWDC, I think. Yeah, they're inviting people to come and watch it. It's a cinema. You, they're basically running a cinema. Yeah, very strange. Um, anyway, I yes. have I have thoughts on the Apple doing virtual events, but we'll save them for another time. Round about you and say. Perhaps, yes. <laughs> anyway, we have had a very long show and it is one oh five in the morning and I myself and Charlotte are both in the same time zone because normally when I record at this stupid late time it's with an American for whom it is civilized o'clock. Um, but Charlotte is joining me in the night owl territory here, so we will draw a line under it. Charlotte, thank you very much for staying up late to have a very... Co- well, I had great fun. I'm hoping the same was true for you. Certainly, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Can you remind... Good, I'm glad to, I'm glad to be back chatting with you. We had a lot to get through. We, yeah, this was not a quiet month of Apple News. Some months I struggle to pick out main topics because nothing's all that exciting. No problem this month. Not a problem no, whatsoever. No, there was a lot to get through. Do you want to remind the listeners again where you now do your creative creating? Yes, I'm over at theedition.substack.com. And if you look in your podcast app of choice, you should find the edition podcast in there. That's edition with A-D-D. Um, so, yeah. So you're adding to the conversation. Or adding together lots of different bits of different topics. Yes, Absolutely. Excellent. Well, best of luck with it. Uh, yes, no, it's fun. Um, lots of different stuff, stuff for Apple fans, stuff for people in, interested in wider cultural things. So, yeah, do come along for the ride. Yeah, tech geeks. Tech geeks. I think that might include some of our listeners. I, I would hope so. Indeed. Folks, uh, you will find detailed show notes at lets-talk.ie. There are links there to all of the stories that informed my thinking on this month's Apple News. And there's a wee heading in the sidebar called Support the Show. I want to express my profound thanks to everyone who has ever supported the show in any way. And supporting the show is not a purely financial thing. Every time you tell a friend, that is supporting the show. Every time you tweet about it, that is supporting the show. If you leave a review, that is supporting the show. Now, there are, of course, the minor reality of bills. Um, And so I also appreciate those of you who are Patreon contributors Every month I get bills. Every month I get Patreon money. My goal here in this podcast was to have the Patreon money fill the hole made by the bills. And I am happy to say we have arrived at the stage where that is approximately true. And that I thank you so much for that. There are no ads because I want to be free to say what I want. And so the reason the show exists is because you guys listening support me and I am eternally grateful for that. There is also a PayPal button, which is a very good way to give like a one-off, here you go, Bart. And the PayPal money basically goes into Bart's software and hardware fun bucket. So whenever I need, in fact, I know I need a new boom arm for my mic because when I moved house, my desk got bigger and I now have to stretch to reach my boom arm that was the perfect size in the old house. So I'm going to replace my boom arm soon and there is PayPal money, which is making that possible. So thank you to the PayPal people. And whenever I buy new software, yada, yada, yada. That's what the PayPal is for. So again, let's talk.ie. Thank you for everyone who supports the show. I have been your host, Bart Bouchots. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing.
You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hey, David, this week on TechFan, let's talk about Apple. Uh, don't like it. Yeah, okay. Uh, Windows? We can talk about Windows. Boring! Um... Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of cool things in 3D printing going on. We could we could talk really? about cool. I uh, don't think so. Uh, uh, what about like uh, the Raspberry Pi? We've we've discussed that in the past. It's tech fan. No, uh, you're you're just being difficult now. What do you want to talk about this week on Tech Fan? How about we talk about Apple and then a little bit about Microsoft and then the Raspberry Pi? You suck. <laughs> 